your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Martinez gets the shotgun snap, has plenty of time. Holding, holding, looking, throwing deep downfield. Has Spielman open at the 25. He's got it at the 20, 15, jukes the defender. 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you and good evening. Sports Nightly for a Friday night. Homecoming week here at UNL. Huskers getting ready to battle the Northwestern Wildcats. We're going to talk a lot about that matchup throughout the next couple of hours. So, so glad you found us here on your Friday evening. Maybe you're in your car getting ready to head out to a high school football game. Got some rain in parts of the state. Uh, so may need the umbrella tonight. But boy, it does feel like high school football weather after we kind of broke the heat earlier in this week. Here's what we have coming up on the program tonight. We'll hear, let you listen in on part of Ben's Cornhusker conversation with Husker defensive back DiCaprio Boodle. We'll have that for you coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Hour number two, we'll go through our Choices Treatment Big Ten picks for the week. Can't wait to see what the guys think about Michigan and Iowa. That's the big game in the league tomorrow. Also Michigan State, Ohio State, but I think I, think I know which way the boys are going to lean on that one. So we'll have that for you in hour number two. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network will Stop by, give us his full rundown. The Greg Zerline just missed a field goal last night that cost the Rams a game in Seattle. Uh, we'll talk probably, I'm sure, about that and some other things going on around the NFL. Hour number three, we'll have our weekend preview. We'll talk to Oscar Monteroso, who's going to be a part of the first ever non-English broadcast of Husker football tomorrow afternoon. We're going to have a, a station up in Omaha, one in Grand Island, and a Spanish version of Husker football tomorrow. Oscar is one of the broadcasters. He's going to join us in hour number three. We'll also have our... A week in review and our winners and losers for the week as well. But let's start it off talking some Husker football. Big matchup starts a huge four-game stretch for the Cornhuskers. Ben, the Northwestern Wildcats will be wrapping up about this time tomorrow night, and I'll be shocked if it's not a close football game. Yeah, I'm, I, it's, I've been expecting it all week. I, I don't know how you could expect anything different with these teams. It's, yeah. it's always close, and... It's always hard fought and comes down to a few plays. Last year was a 90-some, 98-yard drive that ultimately gave the, the Cats all the momentum. They ended up winning in overtime, and that was just a sickening feeling. And so hopefully the Huskers can right that wrong and, uh, you know, get one back for them from them tomorrow. This is the ninth time we've played the Cats since we joined the Big Ten. Six of the previous eight have been decided by seven or fewer points. It's just crazy how close these have been. We had the Hail Mary game here. We've had a couple of overtime games here. We had an overtime game at Evanston. Last year's game was the overtime game that the Huskers fall 34-31. Same score, by the way, as a Colorado game earlier this year. It's just remarkable how tight these games have been between these two programs. And we really expect kind of more of the same tomorrow when these two teams battle at 3 o'clock at Memorial Stadium. Earlier today, Nebraska got some huge news as they pick up another commitment. They're 12th of the 2020 class as linebacker Rodney Gross from Pleasant Grove, Alabama, committed to the Cornhuskers. You're excited about this one. You you were pumped up when you saw this thing come down the pike earlier today. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're losing... Uh some you know one key linebacker in, in Mo Berry next year and uh you, you kind of wonder who's going to be next and the Huskers did sign three inside guys in this last class but uh, you know Gross comes from Alabama much like Cam Taylor Britt and you look at the offer sheet on this guy and the fact that Nebraska was able to pull him out of the the state border with both Alabama and Auburn offering him 
uh, was blown away with his visit last week with Ohio State. Said the fans and the coaches were, were huge reasons why he he chose Nebraska after committing earlier this afternoon. Six one two thirty, great size on him, and you know coming from a, a very competitive high school in the state of Alabama. So heck yeah, I was pretty pretty excited when he decided that Lincoln was the spot for him. It's a position of need, obviously, and you know the the three. Young men who signed with Nebraska last year at that position haven't hit the field yet. We've not seen Jackson Hanna or Garrett Snodgrass or Nick Henrich. Henrich was in uniform, though, right? The, against Ohio State, I think he was down uh, in uniform. He's had injury issues. He's getting closer, I think, to maybe getting on the field for this Cornhusker team. But it's just an area Nebraska's got to continue to try to get better at and get deeper at, certainly, uh, with what you have to deal with week in and week out in the Big Ten Conference. So just huge news, getting gross to commit to Nebraska. And, and Ben, he was here last weekend, and we had a, we've had we had calls throughout the week. I can't remember if it was the night you were here with us or night. It might have been the one of the nights Nate was here where people were calling and going, you know, you get beat like we did by Ohio State. You had all those recruits here. It's got to hurt you, right? And we're like, oh, not necessarily. I mean, the, the, the young man come to see if they feel like they fit in a program. They want to see if there's passion about the fan base. And the scene at Memorial Stadium last Saturday night, even though it was a loss, was just phenomenal. And so Rodney Gross, even in his social media post, just said once he said he hadn't been here 24 hours when he goes, this is it. This is the place for me. So the losing the game certainly didn't bother Mr. Gross. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, you, there are so many factors that go into a commitment for a kid. And if you're basing it off one game that you, that you see or one result, you know, when you're there, that, that's probably not going to be, uh, you know, the, the best decision to make or to at least the best reason to base your decision off of. And, um, you know, to get mom and dad on campus, and I forget, I forget which player I was t- talking with this week about, uh, just Nebraska and, you know, getting mom and dad on campus and family on campus is just such an important thing. Uh, you get them here and, and the family gets to see the academic side and the, and the life skills side. And, you know, if the, if the football situation doesn't work out, you know, how are they going to be set up for life after football? And Nebraska does such a good job preparing their kids for that. And and so, yeah, you get mom and dad here and it's it, it can be a, an eye-opening experience. And, um, you know, with with Rodney Gross, I feel like there are so many other parts to this program that that had had its had things positive things going its way that made that commitment for him. And yeah, it's I'm, I'm very excited to have him, and and hopefully, you know, the Huskers can start addressing other areas as well. So, twelfth commitment to this class, first linebacker in this class. The last two commitments to this class have both been on the defensive side of the football. Henry Gray, the four-star defensive back out of Miami, committed back on September the 19th, and then today, Rodney Gross. And I, so I think, you know, last week's hit rates, okay. I mean, you, you got Gross already in. Teddy Prochaska, who's going to be a part of the 2021 class, he committed last weekend. So you got two commits off the weekend already. And a bunch of guys who seemed like they had, according to reports and following guys like Nate Klaus from Husker Online, that everybody that was here had a great time. And so y- you may get more from that weekend uh, that at least the game result didn't go well, but you certainly like the fact that you've added a couple of commits 
since uh, that football game with Ohio State. So good news on the recruiting front. I love everybody's gift game, right? When all the coaches get jump on board, even if it's not a, a defensive coach. I saw Ryan Hell with a tweet today. It's, it gives me chuckles when I see some of that. Well, and I think the kids like it too because it shows that you know they're excited about them, and and obviously the coaches are excited when they when they get recruits, but. You know, to, to see it manifest with yourself, you know, you're a high school guy and, and you see all of your your future coaches, you know, on their own accounts, tweet how excited they are that you're coming. It makes you feel good. And yeah, I mean, it's it's always a good sign when those gifts are flying around because typically good things are happening. Ben, l- listen to the last handful of commitments to Nebraska football. Gross, Alabama, Henry Gray, Florida, Marvin Scott, Florida, Sevian Morrison, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Will Nixon, Waco, Texas, Blaze Gunnerson, Carroll, Iowa, Nash Hutmacher from Chamberlain, South Dakota. That's unbelievable. That's all over the country right there. Yeah, covering the map. And that's one thing this coaching staff has taken a lot of pride in is going to get kids from all over the, the state or the country, rather. You know, Noah Pole Gates from Arizona, uh, Ty Robinson from Arizona. Arizona. You know, getting guys from, from all over the country, Darian Chase up in Washington, you know that you have to keep that that open, and when you when you have the presence of Tony Tuioti in the in the state of California, and you know Ryan Held bounces everywhere, but has a great relationship with the junior colleges in the Kansas area, some great football players down there. You know, it, it's just so important to have those ties to different parts of the country, and you know that Nebraska does have that, and and Sean Becton has done a tremendous job in the state of Florida, uh, keeping that that pipeline open you know in that relationship with that florida speed down there in the miami orlando area so it's 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 huge to to keep that open and it's also huge when you get one guy from that area like a cam taylor Britt, you can you know use that to your benefit as well as coaches and and you know it's helped so much to have guys from their own area when when they come here and you know they might not be from the same city but you know, they talk the same way, they eat the same food, and it just it feels a little bit like home having those guys here, too. No doubt. All right, so big get. Rodney Gross commits to Nebraska today, commit number 12 for the 2020 class. That was the news of the day as it pertains to Husker football. As the Big Red get ready for the Northwestern Wildcats tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon. God, stay night. We've had all those night games in a row, but it's an afternoon game tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Well, this leads us kind of into your Cornhusker conversation because it is a black shirt, DiCaprio Boodle, who has played very good football for the last two years for the Big Red, and really happy for him. He's put a lot of work and time into trying to become a better cornerback. Yeah, he has, and we're very thankful that he decided to sit down. He's just a tremendous young guy, and and really, really delight to talk to. And tomorrow we will play the full edition, but as we do on, on Fridays, you can hear a little sneak peek of what you can hear tomorrow with our Cornusker conversation this week with DiCaprio Boodle. Welcome to another edition of our Cornhusker Conversation. This week we welcome in Husker Corner, DiCaprio Boodle. DiCap, I know last week wasn't what anybody wanted, but it's all about the bounce back. And Coach Frost said, you know, in the post game that he wanted to to make sure you guys weren't doubting the process. You're an older guy now. You know, how much of the, how much of that did you take on yourself to, you know, if you see someone who's maybe down to, to use use that experience that you have to to keep focused on the big picture? No, uh, yeah, definitely. Like uh, that's a big point of emphasis. You know, um, you don't ever want anybody to, to go into a new week being down. You want, you know, morales to be high, 
because, I mean, what, what happened, happened. You can't change that. But um, you do have a chance to, to make it right this week. So, you know, even even with myself, you know, other guys um, picking me up as well. You know, we, we're just all in this thing together and we understand that. So, you know, we, we all pick up each other throughout the week. Let's rewind it before the season started. I know you don't pay attention to a lot of what, you know, what the media says, but everyone was fairly confident in, in you and Lamar, specifically at the corner spots coming into this year. That wasn't the case last year. There was a lot of people like, oh, we haven't really seen these guys play yet. Um, last year, how much confidence did you gain in, in yourself and Lamar? You know, you, you get the opportunity to go out there and, and play every snap that, you know, you're capable. And now you, now you look at that's one of the strong suits on our, on our entire team, not just on the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we just know that we belong. You know, we understand what it is that we'll be facing. And we understand, you know, everything that comes with the position. We understand the, the highs, the lows, the goods and the bads. So, you know, just taking that and understanding that and just being able to, to grow our mindset, just being able to grow our minds and develop, you know, physically, mentally, it, it just helped us take that next level. Talk with me your relationship with Lamar. You know, you guys couldn't and had two different paths to get to Lincoln. You know, he's a highly touted four-star guy, could have gone anywhere. You were found at a satellite camp, you know, and ended ended up in Lincoln. But, you know, how how did you guys mesh together coming from opposite coasts, completely different recruiting process, yet playing the same position and ultimately starting alongside each other? Uh, yeah, um, we were, when we first got here, we were completely different, you know. But we were so different. And I know it's not going to make sense, but we were so different that we were kind of the same, and we kind of saw that in each other. And, um, you know, everything that, that he did, you know, he was the, the highly recruited guy. You know, I was happy for him, you know, coming in. They, they had high hopes for him, high praises, and, you know, the whole nine yards. And, and I was happy for him the whole time, never hated on him. You know, um, he, he got his shot before me, and, you know, I was I was very happy when he did. And, you know, he was very happy vice versa when, when I got my shot too. So, um, you know, we yeah, we, we've been on uh, very different paths. But, uh, you know, that's that's my brother. And, you know, we, we, like, we like to think we're really one and the same. How much of a chip on your shoulder did you have when you got here to Lincoln, just of how you got here? And, you know, your, your situation was a little different than, than some of these guys. And, you know, ultimately you're on the same team and you're going to get a shot too. But, um, I mean, with your size, where you come from, how you were found, I mean, how much of that did, did you, you know, give you a little attitude and edge when you put on the pads? Um, yeah, I mean, just always, just always being a smaller guy, you know. Um, I always had to, you know, do a little extra more. My dad would always tell me, you know, uh, if you if you're not the biggest, you know you you got to find what works for you, you know. Um, and his thing was, you know, I was just so fast that you know he always knew I could I could do it whatever I put my mind to. So um, you know, just yeah, I came in here with a chip on my shoulder, you know, first year red shirted, um, and then just had to kind of like claw away and try to wait for the time from there. But um, you know, just. I, everything I do, I just do it at, at a high intensity. Regardless, I don't, I don't see size, I don't see, you know, speed, anything like that. Because I feel like I can do everything just as good as the next man. You have to have that attitude as a corner. I mean, that, that's one thing that anybody that knows football knows that you have to have a little special attitude about you. Is that something that fits your personality, or is that something that switches on when you're on the football field? Um, I, I like to say off the field, I'm, I'm a pretty laid back person. Um, just kind of even kill you know uh, 
And a, a lot of people kind of uh, sometimes joke with me and tell me that uh, I don't show much emotion. You know, maybe I don't have emotions. But, um, you know, uh, just on, on the field, it's just it's, it, I'm a different person. You know, um, things it's, it's different stakes out on the field. That's just where I get to be free and just do whatever I want. And, you know, obviously in, in relation to the schemes, but um, that's just where I get to, to run free. And, you know, just everything just flows out of me there. Is that something that has always happened with you when you're when we're playing football, any sport, the sport in particular? I mean, when did you really notice that 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 attachment to this sport in particular? That you know, this is something that I I can go do and you know feel the way that you feel out there. Um, it, it honestly started in the backyard. You know, um, just being young at grandma's house. You know, all your cousins come over. You know, you got a football sitting sitting in the room, and you know, we take it, go outside, and you know. Before we before we even had a football, you know, we we played with uh, empty uh, milk jugs. So you know, we'd throw it around, try to catch it, you know, try to tackle each other and stuff like that. We never played touch. We always played tackle. So um, you know, just just from from that my earliest memory, just being in the backyard, you know, I grew an attachment to the game. I loved it, and I, I just loved being able to run around and you know tackle people and being able to run somebody over and you know make one of my cousins cry or you know one of my cousins might hit me too hard. And, you know, I might want to fight him or something like that, you know, just uh, just memories like that just really made me grow an attachment to the game. DiCaprio Boodle, Nebraska corner, part of our Cornhusker conversation. Hear the rest of it tomorrow. Just really just a really nice guy, you know, fun guy to be around and, and very respectful and heck of a story. You know, one of those satellite camp finds, really fast player and Nebraska chose to take a shot on him. And yet here he is making his. Second second straight year being a starter for us. Quiet guy. Yeah. But thoughtful. Quiet till he gets on the field. He does bark a little, doesn't he? When you kind of have there. to have that, though. Yeah, you better have a little of at, that. At, at that position. Yeah, better have that. Again, I, you know, looking at the matchups tomorrow, and you mentioned this earlier in the hour, this is where Nebraska's corners ought to be able to, to go one-on-one and not be too worried about getting beat by Jefferson. Uh, Skoranek is is not, not going to play tomorrow. So, uh, I don't know who they've got that can beat – Riley Lees? Riley Lees, yeah, probably I don't their think top so. guy. I mean, I just don't think those guys can beat Lamar and DiCaprio. Well, I mean, even the uh, the green guy, the, the super back that they had last year, isn't there anymore. So, Flynn Nagel torched Nebraska sure in the did. slot a year ago. And uh, Cameron Green, that was, you know, probably their best NFL prospect next to Clayton Thorson. And he, he's no longer there. So – you know, we'll see. Bowser listed in their notes as questionable. He's their top tailback. Uh, Anderson, whose dad, Damian, was a, one of the all-time great Northwestern running backs. He's not bad. He's a freshman running back. He'll remind Husker fans, I think, a little bit of Wandale Robinson. Kind of shifty, a little slippery. Uh, Nebraska have to keep an eye on him. But also, I, I just don't – I don't know. I just – they don't look explosive, yet they've played good defenses in Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Stanford at this point in time. And so, you know, you can't just mail it in. The black shirts are going to have to play tomorrow and, and hope to force Hunter Johnson into making some mistakes. Ben, they've thrown seven picks to two touchdown passes through their first four games. You want that ratio to be two to one TDs to interceptions. It's two versus seven. It's amazing on that. Here we are, hour two, Friday night edition of Sports Honey here on the Husker Sports Network, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371, the number if you want to be a part of the program this hour. We're going to have our Choices Treatment Big Ten Picks of the Week coming up here in just a minute, and we'll hear from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. 
You're getting ready for week number five of the National Football League season. Got away last night with Seattle beating the Los Angeles Rams and the Rams and Greg Zerline from Lincoln Pius missed a field goal. Thought he made it too. He hit it well, just barely missed it on well, the outside. Yeah, I mean, but he said after the game he didn't hit it well. Oh, he said he didn't. Yeah, I said yeah, just didn't hit it well. He missed it by maybe a foot. He's been just money. Yeah, they'll, one of the best kickers, if not the best, in the NFL. They'll they'll look past that. I mean, I know it cost him a game, but he's been. You're right. He's been really good for them and local product here in Lincoln. All right. Um, Time for our Big Ten game predictions presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping people make positive choices. Before we get into this week's pick, Austin, do you have last week's results and the scoreboard for the year? I do. So last week, two of us went perfect. I'm included in that. I went six for six, as did Nate. You guys weren't far behind, though. You guys both went five out of six. Can you guess which game you missed on? Yes, I missed Purdue and Minnesota. That you did. And I did too. Indeed. Yeah. So I was not in the boat last week. No. Nope. Correct. The boat rode on without me. Without you. Yeah. Indeed. So standings heading into this week. Ben's still in the lead. He's got 38 out of 44. Nate's one game behind him at 37. Greg, you and Josh both have 36, and I'm at 35. We're all in the ballpark. Yep. You, you can really either win it or get dropped out in those first couple weeks when there's so many games. Yeah. It's a little harder now, but, you, you yeah, you can blow yourself out or take a huge lead, and you've got, you're in a pretty good spot Up right by now. One, one and two. Not, yeah. not a big, not a yeah, huge lead. That's a nice cushion. Okay, let's get this thing started. Um, ben, let's start with you. 11 o'clock games. We'll start with a big one. Iowa at Michigan on Big Fox. How do you see it? This is a, an interesting game on a lot of different fronts. Um, Michigan, of course, is going to be the big story because what's going on with them? Anytime they play a formidable opponent, the big question is going to be how do they look against that team? I've been going back and forth on this game all year. I think Michigan's a, a right around a field goal favorite. Um, playing at the big house at 11. Uh, I think it's a field goal either way. I'll take Michigan. My confidence level is about a 2 out of 10. I'm, I'm, I'm about at a coin flip on this, to be honest. How, I mean, this is a huge game for Michigan's yes. season, right? Yes. I mean, and the pressure because he got – the way they got beat at Wisconsin, there's some pressure on him now in year four. I'm not confident at all, but I'm going to say Michigan. Michigan favored the latest line I'm seeing is four Wolverines. Uh, I, I don't even like the line of four, to be honest. Austin, how do you see this one? I'm with Ben on this, and I've vacillated back and forth between Michigan and Iowa. I think Iowa's been playing better more consistently. I think the fact that it's in Ann Arbor helps Michigan. I think they get up ready to go for this one. I've got Michigan in the 24-20, 23-20, that kind of range. I'm with you guys. I, 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 I think Iowa's better offensively than Michigan because they know what they are. They know what they want to do, where Michigan can't figure out what they want to do. Uh, I love the wide receivers for Michigan, but they have not taken advantage with those guys who have some NFL skill on the outside. But I do think at home they find a way to get it done. It's not going to be easy. It is that line's probably right about on top of it. So I'm with you too. I've got Michigan. How about the, the absentee ballots tonight? All right, got two votes for Michigan. Those come from Nate and Brett. Josh is picking Iowa to go on the road and get Woo. the win, though. <sighs> Josh going with the Hawkeyes. 
All right, Austin, you're up next. Also at 11, ESPN, Purdue travels to Happy Valley to take on Penn State. I think Happy Valley stays happy. The Nittany Lions get it done. I just think Purdue's a little bit too banged up. I don't think they have enough to contend with the defensive strength of Penn State nor uh, defense enough to stop the Penn State offense. The spread in this game is 28 not sure they cover that, but Penn State's going to win fairly easily. I, I said something to Ben earlier today. I said, are we, are we overlooking Penn State maybe a little bit? They were so impressive last week, just bombing Maryland. I don't think they bomb Purdue, but I think they win pretty handily. I go Nittany Lions. Yeah, I think they win by three scores. I'm not positive they cover. Uh, I, but at, for every passing game, Sean Clifford's looking better and better as Penn State's quarterback. And I know we want to say, you know, they lost Trace McSorley, and it's hard to just – uh, you know, put somebody else in, in his shoes, but uh, he's really, really looked good. KJ Hamler's a stud. He is. Uh, they got a couple of backs they work in and look really good. You got a tight end that they like. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, Penn State is a team that I think you need to start being careful with. And yeah, they 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 put one on Maryland last week, and I agree with Austin's logic. No Sindelar, no Rondale Moore. Um, running backs are banged up. It's, there's just too much to overcome. I got Penn State. If that is the way it goes, and I think it is, Purdue's going to be one and four. That's a big come down, isn't it, for Jeff Brom? Remember the celebratory uh, West Lafayette was when he decided to not go to Louisville. They got him in back in back to back bowl games. They got rocked in the bowl game, and we all kind of said that's not a good sign that they got rocked like that. And now they're, gonna, they're a game away from being 1-4 and four to Penn State tomorrow. All right, I'll, I'll take the lead on this next one. This is a battle. This, is, this will have all of America's attention at 11 o'clock tomorrow on BTN as Maryland travels to Rutgers. Rutgers doesn't have a coach. They don't have a chance. Maryland gets a road win tomorrow. What's the line? It's not even showing here. Uh, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I wouldn't have put the, the effort into it either if I was Vegas. Um, Give me Maryland. I think. Let's guess. Let's guess what the line. Okay, the line's got to be. Even though Rutgers is the home team, the line's still got to be double digits, right? You think? I I found found it. Okay, let me guess. I'm going to say Maryland by six and a half. I'm going to say twelve. Greg's got it right at twelve. Wow. And they and I think they cover. You think Rutgers is that terrible? Yes. Even after what happened here, I, I haven't even told you this yet. So this is kind of like live as it happened. I've listened to two of Maryland, happened to listen to two of Maryland's football broadcasts. Um, one of them, they were playing Temple and I listened to him on my way down. And the other one, I was listening to him on my way home when they were playing Penn State. Their broadcast is hilarious to listen to. Their, their sideline guy just just trashes their team <laughs> like 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 just blows those guys up and he's a former player and so you can tell he's wow. just so emotional all the time and so they're just getting destroyed by Penn State and everybody in that booth I mean it's happened to us too but everybody in that booth was just dead quiet you know um yeah so I'll Listening to those guys doesn't pump a lot of optimism <laughs> into me picking Maryland but I'll, I'll choose Maryland Austin? Yeah, I don't think Maryland returns to its uh, beating Howard by 79 ways against Rutgers, but I have them winning, and so does everyone else back here as well. Okay, so it's a clean sweep for the Terps. Watch the Scarlet Knights go out and win one for Chris Ash. <laughs> the fighting Raheem Blackshears and the Arthur Sitkowskis. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
All right, Ben, back to you all. This is the last of the Big Ten games at 11. This will be on ESPNU. Non-conference game is Kent State goes to Camp Randall to take on the Badgers. The line in this one, 35 points. Yeah, you know, the Golden Flashes are really building uh, up as a program. They, they put new uniforms out there on the first game of the year, and you know, they're going to go to Madison and try and pull the upset, and that's going to end when they get off the bus. Austin? I retweet what Ben said. Yeah, I don't think there's much doubt on this one. Badgers do it, and I'm sure the absentee boys are the same way. Indeed. Okay. All right, uh, Austin, to you. This is an interesting game to me, 2.30 BTN. So this will kick off 30 minutes before the Huskers game gets going. Illinois, who we saw two weeks ago, they had a bye week last week. At Minnesota, the Gophers 4-0. They're favored in this one, which would get them to 5-0. They're favored by two touchdowns over Illinois. Austin, break this one down. Yeah, I, I'm going with Minnesota. I think their offense has enough firepower to get it done. Illinois' offense has put up some points, obviously, against Nebraska. It was aided by Nebraska turnovers. I think Illinois will be able to move the ball on Minnesota, but I think Minnesota's just got too many playmakers. That Illinois defense has too many holes. I like Minnesota by double digits, but maybe not quite two touchdowns. Great logic. I, you know, I, I came away so impressed with how hard a hitting team Illinois was. Had a bye week. They've got some nice weapons on that offense. That running game is not bad with Corbin and some of those guys they can throw out there. I was impressed with Brandon Peters, but the Husker pass defense was so good. I think they cover 14 nights too much, but they don't win. The Gophers get to 5-0. and Yeah, I'm not sure what the overs is, but I'm taking the overs on this game. It's, it's going to be impossible for me to pick Illinois to win a game watching Nebraska's offense put 700 yards on those guys. I know they hit hard, and they really played with a lot of effort that night in Champaign, but even after the game, you can hit as hard as you want, but I don't know if that's going to result in a lot of Ws. Uh, I think they will score on Minnesota some, but uh, Bateman and Johnson and Odman Bell, there's just too much there for Minnesota. And, and, and Did they cover? It, yeah, they wow. cover. Okay. I, th- I, bet, I bet Illinois – I'm in the – in the neighborhood of 21 to 24 for Illinois, and Minnesota wins by three scores. Here's what will also motivate the Gophers. They got whacked by them last yeah. year. Illinois drilled them in Champaign. That, that won't be forgotten. They'll come with a little bit of gusto, which, man, that would set them up at 5-0 and for the Huskers to come to town next week. Yeah, that, about like 45-21. Okay. Interesting game again, 230. All right. Um, Austin, night game here. Is it Austin's turn? Yeah. It, I, I took this one. This one's yours, Greg. This is mine. Night game, Michigan State at the shoe, Ohio State. We all saw the Buckeyes last week. It's a 20-point Ohio State spread. We had Teddy on last night. He talked about this matchup quite a bit, and, and he says the points are too many. Michigan State plays such great defense that they'll get some stops on Ohio State. They'll force them to punt the ball a few times. But I just don't see Sparty doing much offensively in this game. I think they hang around for a half. But I think the Buckeyes win this thing, and I want to say somewhere around 35-17 Ohio State. That's about where I'm at, too. I think if Ohio State can get to 28, they win by double digits. I I just can't see Michigan State scoring more than 10 to 14 on that Buckeye defense. I just really can't. I'm with you guys. I think that Ohio State offense, you know, even if Michigan State forces them to punt a couple times, that's an achievement. We saw these guys up close and personal. They're really good. The defense is just as good. It's played really well. Ohio State's got the advantage both ways. I think they win somewhere in that 35-17 range. Sounds about right. Okay, 20 points. That's a lot to Spart- the Spartans whose defense. And Michigan State has a, a history of playing them really tight. Mm-hmm. They're not afraid of them. They'll athlete with them. They can line up athletically and go, all right, we're as good as you are athletically. 
It's just the difference is Sparty has no offense. Right. So, All right, there you go. Those are our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten Picks of the Week. We're back. Sports Highly here Friday night. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. The Yankees have just taken the lead over the Twins, 3-2, to two, an error on Minnesota. Helping the Yankees cause. Yankee Stadium on fire. It's 43 degrees in New York and the Bronx tonight for that game. That's a chilly night for some baseball. We just went from Atlanta, where it was like 95, to New York, where it's in the 40s. So cold night there. Be some cold games around the NFL this week with some of the fall weather temperatures setting in. It was a little chilly in Seattle last night when the Rams and Seahawks were playing. And I think Ian's ready to talk to you. Yeah, good game last night between the Rams and the Seahawks. And Ian, let's start with last night's game. Curious to see how the Rams bounce back after allowing 55 points to the Bucks last week, but another good game last night. You know, it's, it's interesting that it was such an amazing win for the Seahawks. And, you know, I mean, Russell, honestly, probably played as well as I can remember him playing. I mean, he was a legitimate magician, the play he made on the goal line. Breaking, coming out, hitting cars. I mean, it was beautiful. He's so efficient. Um, I thought he was great. The Seahawks ran the ball great. Everything was everything was good. And all anybody's talking about is the Rams, uh, which is interesting. When I miss when you go to the Super Bowl, it's kind of like that. Um, but, you know, I actually thought the Rams looked a little better, right? I mean, they really should have won that game. You know, if Greg Zerline makes the kick, they win. Uh, Gurley looked good had two touchdowns with kind of like himself um i thought they looked pretty good you know they had a couple plays stopped if not for the you know russell wilson being so impressive um i i really think things are bright for the rams even though everybody kind of seems down on them how has seattle been able to maintain this level of play i mean they were known with that great defense a few years back that was in the super bowl with the legion of boom richard sherman earl thomas everybody there is gone they kind of had those hybrid outside linebackers for a while all those guys are gone bobby yeah. wagner's still there russell wilson is still there is it these two kind of hanging this this thing together i mean you look at the seahawks offense tyler lockett chris carton carsley i mean these aren't these aren't necessarily all pros but they're right. they're, they're finding a way to make it work I mean, I would say this. Most people have not heard of Will Disley before last night, but he is a really impressive young tight end. They really, And he was supposed to be, supposed to be just like a, a number two tight end in the draft, and he, you know, now he's looking like he's a big star. Um, I think there's two things that have happened. One, the formula is still there. They still run it first. They still force the defense on their heels by pounding it at them. Uh, Russell Wilson has got – you know, I think that's – I think that's the thing. I mean, um, so I think that's something that uh, is worth noting. And the other thing is, you know, they've replenished some of the the talent they've had uh, up front. I mean, you know, getting Jadeveon Clowney, um, getting Ziggy Ansa. They're not homegrown, but they're certainly productive as well. That's how they've ended up, you know, basically being the same team that we've always seen the last decade. Yeah, good point. Um, one one thing about these Thursday night games, seeing some pushback from the players. I know from a fan's perspective, we love it because we get to watch football. You probably love it because it's you know it's something to, to keep you occupied occupied throughout the yeah. week. But what do the players think of of the short week and playing on Thursdays? You know they don't they don't love it going in. But one thing one thing that has happened is people have stopped sort of complaining. I think it got you know a little tiresome. Anybody complain because really it's the same. Players have 
you know, you just deal with it. And I think teams have probably done a better job in being like, all right, let's not worry about practice. Let's just go out, go walk through, not change a lot. I think the league did a good thing when they made, um, you know, it divisional games. So it's not like you have a great week of preparation. It's a team you know well. Um, so I think it, the formula is kind of set and has been solidified. And now we've actually, certainly in the last couple of weeks, we've seen some really, really good games uh, on Thursday night, which is kind of cool. Let's go to the AFC West matchup this week between the Chargers and the Broncos. Obviously, Denver's trying to figure themselves out with Flacco quarterback. Chargers uh, going to try and figure themselves out. Probably a little easier Rubik's Cube to solve with Melvin Gordon back. What's the plan for Gordon and Austin Eckler and what the Chargers want to do there this week? Well, it sounds like they're going to split carries. You know, um, so uh, while Melvin Gordon is a starter, while he's the bell cow, while he's the franchise guy, it doesn't sound like it's going to be like that this week. It sounds like more of a splitting carry situation, which, you know, probably doesn't help, um, you know, Melvin Gordon's contract push, but he left the door open for Eckler. Eckler's been great. So, like, I don't, you know, I think at the very least the Chargers now, thanks in part to Melvin Gordon staying away, have two running backs, um, you know, two running backs that are really good. So this actually, even though it's not great for Melvin, it probably is great for the Chargers. And it's almost like, thanks in part to the experience, almost like they got another starting running back. Yeah, and Eckler certainly performed well to this point of the year. Let's go from one running back situation to the next. Saquon Barkley, there's some video coming out yesterday of him at practice uh, looking pretty good. I don't know that he plays this week, but he certainly seems to be progressing a lot better than maybe we thought with that injury. He is doing fantastic, and he actually did. He, he's not going to play Sunday. He's been ruled out, um, but he did progress. He did, uh, you know, he, he did, um, you know, end up participating in practice on a limited basis, which is really, really good. So, you know, he's not going to play this week. But no one has told me that he's been ruled out for Thursday. He's, he's got a shot, which is unbelievable. You know, I mean, this was a guy who some people were talking about being eight weeks away. Now at the maximum, it's going to be four weeks. Uh, this is all really good. Uh, this is all really, really good for the Giants. And Wayne Gallman per- performed well. I know he was, uh, you know, banged up for a while. What's his status with the Giants this week? Uh, Wayne Gallman is the starter. And, you know, I, I, I do wonder if this could be another similar situation to the Chargers where, thanks in part to the injury, you have someone gaining the experience that, you know, really, really, really helps uh, kind of groom a, another running back. I mean, Wayne Gallman was just not getting the snaps when Saquon w- was was in there. Um, and now he kind of is forced to. I would say, in the end, the Giants are a much different team than they were the first couple weeks of the season, both because of Daniel Jones and because of the experience they gained at the running back position. Yeah, I think there's optimism there. Probably less optimism with the other sideline in that game, the Minnesota Vikings. Stephon Diggs has been in the news lately. Things are just not going well at all for Minnesota. What's the talk around that franchise and how they try and get this thing fixed in a short amount of time? Well, it's time is – I don't want to say time is running out, but it's getting short, you know, and, and that's one – that's certainly a, a place to watch. Mike Zimmer, the hold he has on the team. Um, it is – it is Stephon Diggs voicing his frustration – um, you know, obviously wants the ball more, wants to be a bigger part of the offense. And, you know, they basically paid these receivers a ton, making more than $12 million each. 
and they are a run-first team that throws to them very infrequently. So I think both the receivers are, are upset. Um, and I just don't know where the solution is because I don't see them changing. Uh, I don't see them changing anytime soon. I think the frustration will continue. It's just a matter of how long they can kind of uh, keep it in-house. Ian, what's going on in Washington with the quarterback situation? Colt McCoy named the starter this week. What, what's the story with how Gruden wants to manage Haskins and obviously dealing with the injury uh, to Case Keenum? Well, um, you know, I, I would say the the injury to Case Keenum is not considered a major thing. It's really, you know, what this is about is uh, it, it's about Colt McCoy and him getting the start. And I think, you know, few people love anything as much as Jay Gruden um, – loves Colt McCoy and you know if had he been healthy he probably would have won the starting quarterback job um I would say now we're finally going to get to see a little bit because Trent Williams is not there but now we're finally getting to see the vision that Jay Gruden had for this Redskins offense Colt McCoy knows it well um he is you know someone who has been in the system he can distribute the ball um we are finally going to get to see what Gruden wants of the Redskins I just don't know is it too late for for everyone involved yeah, we'll have to see what happens, certainly. They're a tough task for them this weekend, taking on the Patriots. Yeah. Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, we appreciate it, man. Enjoy the games this week. Look forward to talking to you next Friday. Thanks a lot. All right, thank you. Thank you. Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network, joins us as he does each and every Friday. Biggest surprise to you through four weeks in the NFL would be what? Like team-wise? Yeah, who's, who's gotten off to those Niners talks? being undefeated? I think so, too. Uh, and I might put the Bills in that category. I know they lost last week, but they pushed the Patriots deep into that game. Yeah, I got to see more. I got to see more from them. Uh, yeah, the Niners have been a good story. Yeah. Or no, two one. Surprise! One. Surprises for the worst. The Vikings. It's time for the weekend preview. The part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend. Come in, watch. It'll be a good one. Sometimes we give you good advice. I could watch that all day. But we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Ben McLaughlin. Well, as tradition says, and we will follow that again this week, we will start with Nebraska Athletics, and of course for Nebraska, of course, it starts with football tomorrow afternoon, Northwestern and Nebraska. Uh, I know you were working on your charts throughout the week and been on a number of radio shows. Obviously, we're expecting a close game, but what, what's going to be the difference in this one tomorrow? Turnovers. I go I go with the head coach. I mean, if, I think if Nebraska doesn't turn it over, they win the game. I think they're better than Northwestern. They're more explosive than Northwestern. But the Cats prey on your mistakes – and they just kind of sit back and wait for you to make the mistake. Our old baseball coach, Darren Erstad, used to say so many games in the college baseball level just comes down to who makes fewer mistakes. That's kind of the case tomorrow in this game. I think just Nebraska stays away from mistakes. They're better. But the Cats seem to just scratch and claw their way to hang in this game. I think it's close. I'm nervous. But I'm ready for this game to get going. A lot of people talk about Nebraska's offense against the good Northwestern defense. But let's go to the other side of Northwestern's offense against Nebraska's defense. How do you see this matchup going tomorrow? I find it hard to believe that Northwestern could drive the length of the football field more than once and score. 
And I'm thinking 65, 70 yards. I think they could do it maybe once against Nebraska's defense and get a touchdown. Maybe they get you 40 yards and they get a field goal and they get three. But a longer drive, that's why if Nebraska turns it over deep in their own end and they only have to go 25 yards, yeah, they can, they can finish that off with a touchdown. But I just I, – and maybe I'm wrong, but I just think Nebraska's defense is, is good enough to really do a pretty good job on the Cats in this game tomorrow. 3.05 kick tomorrow, Nebraska-Northwestern. You've got opening drive at 10. Who's joining you tomorrow? The newest Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman, will be here tomorrow, along with Nate Roars. We'll you know it's going to be that. good. Jay's involved. Yep. 3.05, Nebraska-Northwestern at Memorial Stadium. Husker Volleyball has a relatively large match tomorrow night. They're taking on the Wisconsin Badgers, 7 o'clock on BTN. That one can be found. Boy, it's uh, starting to become a good old-fashioned war every time these teams step on the floor with one Isn't another. Isn't it, though? Yeah, what a great rivalry. It's kind of cool that John Cook was their head coach before coming here. Uh, but that's a great program, and I know I know Coach Cook and the Huskers, they respect that program an awful lot. Traffic will be an issue. If you're a volleyball season ticket holder, check out some information on Huskers.com about when lots will be open. And if you park over there near Devaney for football, that's different tomorrow as well because of the doubleheader. So uh, just check all that out if you're driving into Lincoln tomorrow. Good advice, yeah, both – both uh, events will be heavily attended tomorrow here in the capital city. 7 o'clock, BTN Nebraska and Wisconsin. Husker soccer in action in Ann Arbor taking on the Michigan Wolverines. 1 o'clock on BTN+. Plus. Can't score. Got shut out by Iowa last night, 1-0. Have a hard time putting the ball in the net. And Husker softball has a exhibition game in the fall here. They're taking on Iowa State in Ames Sunday at noon. Let's jump into some Big Ten football. Is Nate Rohr making that trip? I don't know. I would say likely not. I would say not. Yeah. But I can't you. confirm or deny. Big Ten slate went over our picks last hour. Kent State and Wisconsin, 11 o'clock ESPNU for that one. Don't see the Badgers having any trouble in that one with the flashes. That one kicks at 11 ESPNU. Purdue and Penn State kick at 11 as well. 11 o'clock ESPN. Had everybody been healthy for Purdue, I'd have been intrigued to see how they hang against Penn State's offense. But with the injuries that the Boilermakers have had at quarterback, at running back, at wide receiver, at defensive tackle, just don't see it happening for the Boilers tomorrow. And, of course, the, the matchup most people are talking about, matchup of top 20 teams, Iowa 14th ranked in the country, taking on 19th ranked Michigan, this is in the big house, 11 o'clock on Fox. Expecting a low-scoring game in this one? I don't know. I think they can get both into the 20s. I know I know one thing. There have to be a ton of Michigan fans who are very nervous tonight. I mentioned earlier I'm nervous for the Oscars game with Northwestern. Michigan fans, I mean, man, if this one goes sideways for them, maybe two losses and they still haven't played Penn State or Michigan State or Ohio State yet. Woo! gonna be tough what what happens to them if if iowa gets after him tomorrow i mean i, I think it gets real noisy like time to move on noisy i mean it was you? it was unbelievably loud after the the game with wisconsin Absolutely. it's hard to imagine it getting any worse i forgot they also play Notre dame yeah. I mean, so i mean they've got huge games still ahead that this is a almost a must win for jim harbaugh and michigan i think they squeak it out but oh it's gonna be tight we'll see uh, so you go from one good matchup to the next. Maryland and Rutgers, 11 o'clock on BTN. The two, Are you serious? The two great additions to the Big Ten Conference will just throw haymakers at one another tomorrow in Piscataway, New Jersey. Is there any part of you that's interested in this game? Haymakers. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
<laughs> You're out on that, as am I. All right, we buried that one in the last 11 a.m. kick for a reason. At 2.30, Illinois and Minnesota. I'll Husker be interested fans, in that yeah, one. Husker fans probably have their eyes on that one because yeah. of what's happened next week. Minnesota has a chance to still be unbeaten when the Huskers go to the uh, Met- Minneapolis Metroplex area next week. Go see some snow. Yeah. I'm just praying it's going to be a better trip than the last time we were up there against those guys. 2.30 BTN. And the last kick at 6.30, this is the big one, Michigan State and Ohio State. Spartans ranked 20th, Buckeyes 4th. And we'll see if Michigan State's defense can slow Ohio State's down offense down at all. I'm going to predict to you, Justin Fields will throw his first pick tomorrow night. I'm selling that. Okay. We'll see on Monday. Yep. I think he gets picked off. Michigan State, Ohio State, 6.30 on ABC. Not a great national stage either. For a couple of noteworthy games. We'll start first at – we'll go one game in each time for that. 11 o'clock, 21st-ranked Oklahoma State on the road at Texas Tech. 11 o'clock on FS. Um, I'm not sure what the overs are. <laughs> I would take it. Uh, Oklahoma State's Chuba Hubbard last week with almost 300 rushing yards. They're considerably better, though, than yeah, Tech. I think they are, too. Texas Tech, 2-2. Uh, two and two. Oklahoma State has lost just one game here on the year. Uh, college game day in Gainesville, 2.30, CBS, Ooh. matchup of top 10 teams. Seventh-ranked Auburn, who's had a great season to this point. They are undefeated against 10th-ranked Florida. Didn't make – I mean, it was a puzzling move for me with Coach Mullen going from Mississippi State within conference to Florida, but it's worked. He's done a good job down there in Gainesville, and Florida's ranked in the top 10. No quarterback, right? Franks is out. Yep. Um, Made it work against Tennessee. They did. Most everybody does. I, I've, I, I want to take Auburn, I think, in this game. Man, another huge win for them oh on the road. Oh, my God, yes. That'd be crazy. All right, let's go to the 7 o'clock window. We go to the Cal and 13th-ranked Oregon. This is an interesting matchup. Um, Oregon ranked all the way at home at Autzen, a night game. Give Cal any shot in this one. Uh, like what Justin Wilcox is doing at Cal, though. Yes. He's really doing a nice job. I just think Oregon's really good. I, I they probably should have beat Auburn in that opening week game. I think they're good. Yep. It's their Pac-12 matchup with 15th in the country. The fighting Nate Roars will go to the farm God, to he, take on Stanford. He likes him a lot, doesn't he? He does. 15th ranked, 930 ESPN. I think somewhere in his office he's got a little husky pennant somewhere. I don't oh, know why, man. but I think he did. Yeah, I mean, that's that's hard to believe from a guy who's you know so enriched in Husker history <laughs> with all of the matchups we've had with those guys that that would be the case. But he is carrying the husky banner. Uh, the golden purple flag is waving in the office of Nate Rohr here in 2019. Let's move on to some NFL games. Your full slate tomorrow. Really bad slate for the NFL in terms of timing. All the games but two are at noon other than the Sunday night game. You've got Arizona and Cincinnati. Bengals and Zach Taylor still looking for their first win. Stanley Morgan. Yeah. Does he get activated now? He's on the 53. Does he get activated? What are the chances that uh, Stanley Morgan gets matched up with Chris Jones anytime in this game? Ooh, how fun would that be? That would be cool. That'd be That'd awesome. Be something else. So something has to give in this game, right? I yeah. mean, somebody's got to get their first win. Well, I guess not. You have a tie. <laughs> yeah, Arizona does have a tie. Noon on Fox, uh, where you can find that one. Buffalo, fresh off a 16-10 loss to New England. On the road in Tennessee, taking on the Titans. Bears and Raiders, noon on Fox for that one as well. Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Boy, Tampa Bay setting a franchise record with 55 points last week against the Rams. Now they'll go to the Big Easy to take on the Saints. 
where where did that offense come from? And I know Indomitian had the scoop and score late, which gave him six points, but everybody was ready to give up on Jameis Winston after week one. But yeah. that offense is humming a little bit right now. No idea. No idea where that came from. Vikings and Giants, boy, two teams that you thought thought before the year one would be trending up, one would be trending down. That's certainly the case, but I don't think you expected which way it would go. Daniel Jones and Wayne Gallman trending the Giants up. Um, the stock arrow is through the bottom four of the basement and heading further underground if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan. You heard Ian talk about them. What a train wreck that team is right I now. I did not see that coming. Did oh you? my gosh! And anybody with all the money they're paying Kirk Cousins, Stephon Diggs, and Adam Thielen, and they can't figure it out through the, through the air. I mean, Crazy. Dalvin Cook's doing his best. You know, at the running back spot, their defense is solid, but yeah, this has just been a train wreck for Minnesota's offense. Jets in Philadelphia, battle of the green teams up in the Northeast. That one's in Philly, noon on CBS. Interesting matchup here. You've got Lamar Jackson going to the Steel City to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers, noon on CBS. Steelers, of course, coming off a short week, and the Ravens and Lamar Jackson got throttled last week against the Browns. So After losing to the Chiefs, they've lost two straight. How do they bounce back? I think they do. Really, really competitive matchup here between the Patriots and the Redskins. Sure is. Two juggernauts at quarterback, Tom Brady and Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy gets the starting job again. <laughs> Woohoo! Jay Gruden just loves that guy. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Must. Yeah, what a nightmare. Uh, nightmare, nightmare. Uh, I don't I don't see the 0-3 Redskins beating New England, but, hey, crazier things have happened. Jags and Panthers at noon on CBS. No Jalen Ramsey again for Jacksonville. We'll see if Kyle Allen can get the Carolina Panthers offense moving in the right direction. Actually, it's probably going to be run CMC once again for Carolina. Interesting one here between the Falcons and the Texans, two teams that always seem to be in the thick of it. Uh, in their respective divisions, the Falcons and the Texans, I'm all for it. Um, you know, give me some of that Falcons-Texans action at noon. That's it for the 12 o'clock kicks. There's a lot of them and only two evening games. You've got Denver and the Chargers at 3.05 on CBS. That will be Melvin Gordon's first action with Los Angeles as he returned to practice late last week. And uh, and we'll get his first our first look at him against Denver. And the other three... Uh, a clock start, 325 between the Packers and the Cowboys. So good matchup on Fox between Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott. Get to the main dish, man. Main Get to the main dish. dish. Enough of the appetizers. Indianapolis Colts at Arrowhead taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, who will be wearing all reds. How about that? I don't love that. Look. I do. I like it. You would. 720 on NBC. Where's Nate? <laughs> Nate is not a fan. You know, a lot of our recruits have been wearing red on red in their pictures at Nebraska. Yeah. Um, last time these two teams played tonight at Arrowhead, it was a Chiefs win in the playoffs, and that was Andrew Luck's last game. One of the people in this uh, broadcast studio was in attendance of that game. Your first game at Arrowhead. It was. And it was the, the last game of the career of Andrew Luck. How about that? Yeah. Nuts. Can the Chiefs do it again? Yes. All for it. Get all my Sunday activities done and settle in for that one Sunday night. Yeah. So you're not as much of a night owl as I am. Can You, you can make it to the end of that, can't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Chiefs. Just asking. You've you've tapped out on many a games that I thought you'd make it to the end in uh, in, in past years. So, yeah, I like the Chiefs. Remain undefeated. Take care Take care of the fighting Austin Ormans and, and move on. They're going to be on primetime a lot. Austin's going to delete. You know, he's, he's probably taking us off the air right now. Maybe. Talking about his Colts. That's fine. 
Um, so, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one. That is the last kickoff, of course, 720 Sunday Night Football. And, uh, of course, you want to be in your seat by 715 to watch Carrie Underwood sing to us mm-hmm. um, on Sunday night. Major League Baseball playoffs in action. Boy, it's been uh, really wacky to start playoff action with the Braves in the first game, uh, their first game with the Cardinals. Dodgers throwing a, a big number up yesterday. Had a scoreless battle earlier today between the Astros and the Rays before things kind of got out of hand. So let's go ahead and talk about the matchups. You've got the Twins and the Yankees first up on Saturday, 407 Fox Sports 1, where you can find that one. You give the Minnesota Twins any shot in this series? Sure. They, get, they can slug it a little bit. I would give them and a, a good ballpark to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a Twins fan, but I'm hoping they, uh, they pull through. Either them or the next team we'll talk about, Tampa Bay and Houston, 807 Fox Sports 1 for that matchup. And then the games on Sunday, you have game two between Atlanta and St. Louis. Wild ninth inning, th- tied 3-3 going into the ninth. St. Louis scores four, and Atlanta scores three, uh, but just not quite enough for the Braves to get it done. And so they'll uh, they'll take it to St. Louis, 310 CBS. And the night game on Sunday, the Dodgers and the Nationals, 645 TBS for that one. I'll flip. I'll check in on it during commercial breaks of the Chiefs. Flip over. Yeah, there. I mean, that's what I got a phone for. Yeah, check the score. Yeah. So very that's good. It. Yeah, nice playoff baseball is finally love here. it. I love it. Love having afternoon games. Right. Yeah. You know, we're sitting around here during the afternoon, getting ready for the show and able to watch some baseball. It's good stuff. All right, there's your weekend preview. Final segment of the night. Final segment of the week of sports nightly, and then it's going to be ready for game day tomorrow, ten o'clock for the opening drive. Ben and Brendan will be on at eleven. Kick off at 3 o'clock tomorrow for the Huskers. And for this week's winners and losers, Josh, you want to start us off? Absolutely. I'll begin, and I'll start with the loser. And for me, this one came pretty early in the week on Sunday. Von has perfect. He was, act- he was suspended uh, for the rest of the season due to a hit. And, and the, the part that makes him the loser is obviously his pass, but then his reaction to it, like, come on, that's unfair that I was suspended for the season, even though he was warned ag- against making hits like that. So... He is my loser for the week. You think he plays again? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, the, the worst part was when he was running off and he was blowing kisses to the crowd. Like, yep. you know, watching him on Hard Knocks, he's tried to play the old, you know, learn learn from my mistakes. I'm a different guy, blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. No, you're not. Nope. Same trashy dude. Yep. Not a fan at all. So my winner, I'm sticking with football, but going to the high school ranks here in the uh, city of Lincoln, actually, and head coach of Lincoln East, John Gingery. Uh, unfortunately, his son died uh, earlier in the week, and he ended up coaching last night, a Thursday night football game, um, coaching the Spartans just a couple hours after his son's funeral, and wow. he led them to a win. So that was pretty emotional stuff, watching the highlights of that and listening to him talk after the game. Uh, shout out to Kevin Suits. He did a, a cool piece on that last night. So He was asked, why, why did he do that? And yep. he said, hey, that's what my son would have wanted. Yep. He would have wanted me to go coach the game. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Man, it's, it's hard to even yep. yeah. comprehend doing something like that. Well, I'm going to echo you, Josh, uh, with my winner and my loser of, of where I'm going. My uh, winner, I'm going to stay in for the state of Texas. Darrow, Derek Strickland from Big Sandy High School threw a touchdown pass that traveled 76 yards what? in the air and for a touchdown. Oh, my god! And it was a reverse pass. The dude is standing on the 18-yard line, 
and his teammate is literally on the other end of the field. No one's even around him because they figure there's no way the kid can throw the ball this far and just threw a dime, dropped it right in the bucket. 76-yard pass. <laughs> I, mean, I can't even imagine that. I mean, you don't see that in the NFL in, hardly. Yeah, no. this is in high school. Josh, showed, I showed you the video earlier today. It's just nuts. The, the, the video is insane. You're like, when is this thing ever going to come down? <laughs> and, it, and, and the shot, so there's a, obviously a TV camera, and there's like a whole bunch of bodies at like the 30. And then you just see a quick pan even further down the field. They're like, oh, there's another guy all the way over there. And it was a receiver. He caught it, ran it in for a touchdown. Nuts. Um, my loser, again, I'm going to the National Football League, but I'm going to broaden it up and go from a player to a team. The Minnesota Vikings offense is just it, – it makes your eyes bleed trying to watch it. Uh, Kirk Cousins is just – can't figure it out. And you got weapons all around you. And uh, you know, I've got a good friend who's a Vikings fan. And after last week's games with what Minnesota tried to do against, obviously, the Husker game with the Buckeyes – pretty much over football at that point so i feel bad for you huskers fans and vikings fans to have Ooh, to watch that every that's Saturday. rough that is really rough imagine the pressure on that wide receiver in the high school game don't drop it don't drop it don't drop it like chris carson last night yeah in the nfl game and he almost did drop it he yeah. juggled that thing didn't he finally held on to that deal all right my winner i'm going college athletes with the rule that was signed by the governor of california the pay for play uh, for young men and women at the collegiate level to be compensated for the use of their image and likeness. I think this is going to force the NCAA to loosen this up a little bit. We're a couple of years away from this taking uh, taking hold, but I think this is probably a good thing for college athletes, guys like Adrian Martinez, who is so popular around here, or Wandale Robinson eventually, those kind of guys to, to make a little extra money for people kind of being able to use them and, and use their abilities and I mean, they're, so, they're, they're the pro stars in the state because we don't have a big pro franchise here. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to need to see the residual effects to it before I anoint anybody a, a winner or loser on that. I was just listening to all those Big Ten basketball coaches. Oh, yeah, they, they, all they were all loving it. The commissioner, not so much. Yeah. My loser, the Korean Tour on the PGA Korean Tour. They suspended a golfer named Bio Kim for three years. He's hitting a tee shot. Some fan cell phone goes off. Bio gives him the bird as he's walking off the tee box. They suspend this golfer for three years. Wow. Come on. Three years? That's a, that's a, about three that's weeks. Excessive. Happy Gilmore never even got suspended no. for the stuff he used to do on the tour. I feel bad for Bio Kim. That'll do it for tonight's show. Thanks to Ben, to Josh, to everybody for being a part of this one. Huskers, get after Northwestern tomorrow, pregame at 10.